We'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 118. Uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's one under your seat. You can borrow that. Uh, if you don't own a copy of God's Word, the Bible under uh, the seat is our gift to you. We're going to be focusing in Psalm 118 this morning as we continue in our Psalm series, especially this morning though in Psalm 118. We'll be looking at uh, verse 5. Uh, the title of this morning's sermon, if you picked up a worship guide, you'll see this, is Freedom in the Psalms. Freedom in the Psalms. Psalm 118 actually concludes a section of the Psalms, which is actually a collection of six Psalms known as the Egyptian Hallel. Hallel is the Hebrew word for praise. Similar to the 15-song album that we spoke of a few weeks ago, which was uh, Psalm 121 was included in that. They were called the Songs of Ascent or the Pilgrim Hymn Book. It was 15 hymns, Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm uh, 134. Uh, the Egyptian Hallel is a similar album, if you will, in that it is a collection of psalms that could be called uh, an album or the Egyptian Hallel. The reason that these six psalms were known as the Egyptian Hallel is that they are psalms that commemorated Israel's liberation from their bondage in Egypt. They were psalms of praise for God's faithfulness to have set them free from their slavery in Egypt. Hence again the title Egyptian Hallel. They're singing praise and thanking God for the liberation from Egypt. So as we look to Psalm 118 this morning, you'll see that verse 14 in Psalm 118 is actually a direct quote from the song of Moses in Exodus 15, which describes the scene immediately after Moses had led the Israelites through the parted Red Sea. Psalm 118 verse 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And so now I want you to look at the scene of rescue and freedom being described in Exodus beginning at the end of chapter 14. So if you're in Psalm 118, hang a big left, get over to Exodus uh, chapter 14 beginning in verse 30. And hear this scene being described on the hills of their liberation from their bondage in Egypt. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And then we get into verse or chapter 15. You'll see it's probably titled in your Bible, The Song of Moses. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And again, that is the same verse that is quoted again in Psalm 118, uh, verse 14. So like, what a scene that we have here. Israel had been in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years, but God remain faithful to his promise uh, to rescue them and to set them free from their bondage. And so on the hills of their rescue, on the hills of their liberation, they burst out in song. The Israelites actually sang the Egyptian Hillel, uh, which again is a collection of six psalms, every year at Passover, one of their festivals, as a way of remembering and celebrating their liberation from Egyptian slavery. 
They would sing the first two psalms before the Passover meal, which is Psalms 113 and 114. And then after the meal, after the Passover meal, they would sing the final four psalms in the Egyptian Hallel, which would have been Psalms 115 through 118. But Psalm 118 isn't merely a psalm for the Jewish people to sing about God's liberating grace. Certainly it is that. But Psalm 118 is also a Christian hymn. It is for us this morning. One that we can cling to and rejoice in on this side of the cross considering the freedom that Christ has purchased for us with His own blood. Psalm 118 is quoted or alluded to some 23 times in the New Testament. I want you to look at the Messianic language laced throughout Psalm 118. I'm just going to read a few verses here beginning in verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. We know for us that Jesus is our gate of righteousness. By grace and through faith, through the person of Jesus Christ, just like he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. So if we put our trust in Jesus Christ alone, He then imputes to us all of His righteousness. He is the gate of righteousness. That I may, back to verse 19, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. It is by Jesus we enter through to be made righteous. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Now before I read verse 22, It's going to sound familiar to you. Uh, Jesus quoted verse 22 in Matthew 21, 42 in reference to himself being the cornerstone in a parable that he told there. And then Peter quoted verse 22 in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, when he and John appeared before the council there after their arrest. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, when he kind of gave this sermon there before the council, he added the word you in the verse. He took Psalm 1. 18.22 and made it personal and pointed by saying that they had, you have rejected the cornerstone that is Jesus. He implicated the religious experts as being the very ones who had rejected the cornerstone of man's salvation which is Jesus Christ. In fact, they rejected Jesus so much that they had had him murdered on a Roman cross. They stumbled over God's free grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ thinking that it was up to them to do something else extra to earn their salvation. They tripped over the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, wrongly assuming that they could achieve salvation some other way. And then Peter, apparently he really liked Psalm 118.22 because not only did he quote it in Acts 4.11, but then again, and we went through 1 Peter as a faith family uh, a a while back, but in 1 Peter 2.7, he quoted it again. So now as we look at verse 22, Let's do so through a Christ-centered lens, knowing this psalm is all about Jesus. Verse 22, the stone, referring to Jesus, that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the capstone of all true religion. Verse 23, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now look at verses 25 and 26 in Psalm 118. And this is going to sound familiar to you because this is what the crowds were chanting and crying out uh, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey on Palm Sunday on His way to be crucified uh, a little bit later that week on Good Friday. All four gospel writers in the New Testament either quote verses 25 and 26 together or they quote one of these 
verses. Look at verse 25. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. So the phrase, if you'll look at verse 25 there, the phrase, save us, it's translated into two words in the English in verse 25, is the one Hebrew word, Hosanna. So on the first day of Holy Week, on Palm Sunday, the crowds were chanting Hosanna or God save us when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a colt. Matthew, for example, records the triumphal entry scene on Palm Sunday and Matthew 21.9 by saying, And the crowds that went before Him and that followed Him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So the crowds were chanting Hosanna as a direct fulfillment of Psalm 118.25. They were shouting the Hebrew word Hosanna. Hosanna, which again means God save us. So they're saying, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Save us. Now, I don't actually think they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah who would save them when they were shouting Hosanna. But it's not that strange that they would have been chanting, Save us, Lord, or Hosanna from Psalm 118, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, considering it is the last song in the Egyptian Hallel that they would have been singing over and over and over again during Passover week. So Psalm 118 would have literally been fresh on their lips. But little did the Israeli crowds know in Jerusalem that the very psalm they sung that commemorated their ancestors' liberation from Egypt all those years before in the Exodus was actually about a greater and new exodus being initiated by the Lord Jesus Christ right before their very eyes on the back of a donkey. Little did they know the man on a donkey was the Son of God. Little did they know the man on a donkey was the Savior of the world. Little did they know the man from Nazareth, Jesus Christ on the donkey, was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Little did they know the man on the back of a donkey was the God-man, Jesus Christ, who was about to shed his own blood, not the blood of another lamb to save sinners. And little did they know his own blood that was about to be shed on the hill at Calvary on Friday would be the once for all sacrifice for salvation of God's people forever. And little did they know, unlike Moses who led the Israelites right up until he died, right up to their temporary promised land, uh, 40 years uh, after the exodus out of Egypt, Jesus was about to initiate a new exodus through his death and resurrection where he would deliver his people safely, not to a temporary promised land, but to an eternal promised land. One that he would do so alive and well because he would rise from the dead three days after his crucifixion. This is the Savior whom Psalm 118 is all about. And the incredible thing is, when the Lord gathered with His disciples uh, for their last Passover supper together on Monday, Thursday, and we'll be taking communion together this uh, morning, they would have actually been singing Psalm 118 together. In fact, Matthew 26, 30 tells us so. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of olives. What hymn would they have sung? What hymn would Jesus and his disciples have sung after the last supper? Like I always wondered that. I wonder what song that was. Well, based on Jewish tradition and culture, 
they would have sung the same hymn that the rest of the Jewish people would have sung after the Passover meal. They would have sung the last song on the Egyptian Hallel album or the Egyptian praise album, Psalm 118. So as we look to Psalm 118 this morning, let us do so through a Christ-centered lens. Let us see how Psalm 118 points us explicitly to our Savior, Jesus Christ, as does all Scripture. And let us see how a song that was sung to commemorate freedom from bondage for the Israelites is also our song of freedom if we're in Christ. Psalm 118 can also be our song, the song of the redeemed, a song that we too can sing over and over and over over again to commemorate our own freedom from sin and death through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are forever free in Christ, no longer slaves to sin and death. And we praise Him this morning for that good news. So here's what I want you to see from our text this morning, particularly from Psalm 118 verse 5. Call upon the Lord in faith and He will set you free. That's the sermon in a sentence, the summary of this morning. It's only 12 words. Call upon the Lord in faith and He will set you free. So I have a, question, a couple of questions before we read verse 5. Do you need to be set free this morning? Perhaps for the first time, like you know facts about Jesus, you know uh, who He is like intellectually, but like you've never truly put your faith in Him, you've never truly repented from your sins. Well, my prayer for you this morning is that you would call upon the Lord in faith and He would set you free. And then the second question I have is, Perhaps you are a Christian, and the question for you is, do you need to be set free this morning from old sins that you keep going back to? Like, you were set free from those sins in your salvation, but for whatever reason, because of indwelling sin, you keep going back to those old sins that you were set free from. My prayer for you this morning is to call upon the Lord in faith, and He will set you free. Take your copy of God's Word if you haven't already, and look with me at Psalm 118 verse 5 in this Egyptian Hallel album, if you will. Hear the word of God. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, as we look to verse 5 this morning, would you help us to see the freedom that you have purchased for us? This was a song that the Jewish people would have sung. It would have been the last song they would have sung after the Passover meal to uh, commemorate the uh, liberation that you had given them and you had set them free and their ancestors free from their bondage in Egypt. But God, this is our song too. God, this is the song that we too can sing this morning because of the bondage that you've set us free from through your son Jesus. So God, would you set people free this morning? Would you help me to communicate your truth clearly and boldly and humbly? God, would you use me? Would you open the hearts in this room to behold wondrous things from your word this morning? God, we need your help to see and believe in the freedom that you offer us and to live in that freedom. So would you help us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to show you how to apply verse 5 uh, to your life this morning. And so that'll be kind of the first point that I'll make this morning. And then the second two points, there's three points, will be sort of the, the promises that fuel the application. So we'll start with the clear application of verse 5 if you're taking notes. Call on the Lord in childlike faith in your distress. Call on the Lord in childlike faith out of your distress. Look at verse 5 again. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. I believe that the I being referenced here in this psalm is a Davidic king, especially considering the victorious military tone that's laced throughout the psalm. 
which connects this song, Psalm 118, all the way back to the victorious military tone in Exodus 14 and 15 that we read earlier when the Lord also delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea and then on the other side of the Red Sea on those shores they sang a song of victory and thanksgiving. Consider the connections here with me for a moment. The king in this psalm, Psalm 118, was in distress in a narrow place. Again, it says that he was in distress. The NIV says he was hard-pressed. The Message Bible paraphrases verse 5 to say he was pushed to the wall. So the reason that we know he was in a narrow place is because of the word free in verse 5, which stands in contrast uh, to the distress that he found himself at the beginning of verse 5. So beginning of verse 5, he's in distress. He's in a narrow place. But in verse 5, at the end, he is free. Because the word free in the Hebrew is this word merhav. Merhav meaning spacious place, expanse, wideness, liberty, a roomy place. So in the beginning of verse 5, he's in a tight, narrow place, kind of hemmed in from all sides. But at the end of verse 5, after he called upon the name of the Lord, he's set in an open space, a wide open space. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, actually translates the word free as a spacious place. Place. So he goes from a narrow place to a spacious place. The NASB, New American Standard Bible, translates verse 5 to say, From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Set him, took him from a narrow place and set him in a large place. The NIV, when hard-pressed, that is... Uh, that version's way of saying he was in a narrow place or in distress. I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. So they're juxtaposing these two things. Narrow place, wide place. The New King James Version. I called on the Lord in distress. Narrow place. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The message pushed to the wall. I called to God from the wide open spaces. He answered. So what is the psalmist saying. Well, thank you for asking. He was hemmed in with nowhere to escape. He was cornered in every direction from all nations. He is describing the distress and the anguish that he was in, considering the narrow, hard-pressed, pushed-against-the-wall type of situation that he was in, beginning in verse 11. Look at the scene that he describes in, uh, or excuse me, verse 10. All nations surrounded me. Okay, that, that would feel narrow if you're being surrounded by all nations. I don't know about you, but if all nations started to surround me, I'd feel pretty trapped, right? They surrounded me. That's the first indicator. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. A couple more times. They surrounded me. Surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Again, in verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. You ever been surrounded by bees? I mean, I've been surrounded by yellow jackets. Feel pretty trapped there. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. And here's maybe something that you want to circle or underline in your Bible. But the Lord. But the Lord helped me. And then in verse 18, he said, The Lord has disciplined me severely. Here's another word you may want to circle. But. like It, it seemed horrific. It seemed terrible. He had nowhere to escape. But. He has not given me over to death. He was near death, the king in Psalm 118. He had nowhere to escape the death sentence that awaited him from every angle and from all nations that surrounded him but God. 
He called on the name of the Lord in the midst of his distress, in the midst of his narrow place, near death. He cried out to the Lord in childlike faith for salvation, for liberation, for freedom from his enemies. Again, verse 5 says, Out of my distress, my narrow place, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. He set him in a broad place. And then... Notice again the repetition in verses 10 through 18 with regards to who the main actor was in the king's deliverance. Like he couldn't rescue himself. He was trapped, had a death sentence on him. But look who the main actor is here. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Verse 11, they surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. Here it is again, main actor. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. Verse 12, main actor. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling. Here it is again, but the Lord helped me. Verse 14, main actor. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. And then you'll hear it three times here, the main actor. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. Verse 16. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Again in verse 17. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. Verse 18. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. So clearly, Yahweh, God, was the one who saved the king. God is the one who answered the king's plea for help and salvation. And God is the one who set him free from his enemies uh, of all nations that surrounded him on every side. He was surrounded by his enemies, the text says, like bees. Thousands and thousands and thousands of bees or enemies from all nations surrounded him. He was also, he says, surrounded like a brush fire in thorns or thorns or some type of like consuming wildfire. We don't really get wildfires around here like they do out west, but imagine standing in the middle of a wildfire and you're just surrounded, you have nowhere to escape. This is how he felt. Nowhere to escape unless the Lord intervened on his behalf. No matter how despairing the king's situation was in Psalm 118, the Lord saved him. Just like he saved and set the Israelites free when they found themselves in a narrow place. Consider that. Consider the narrow place the Israelites would have found themselves in. Trapped on the banks of the Red Sea with the, Is or with the Egyptian armies pursuing them. Pharaoh and his armies, they're trapped there in a narrow place between the Red Sea and the armies. But yet, Yahweh came to their rescue and set them in a broad place safely on the other side of the Red Sea. He finished the liberating work that he began in setting the Israelites free. Like, he began, Yahweh did, to set the Israelites free through the ten plagues that he sent on Pharaoh in Egypt. But then, his liberating grace culminated in the parting of the Red Sea. So God did not merely start to liberate the Israelites and then change his mind. No, he completed his liberating work in the Israelites' life. Similarly, God did not merely start to set the king free in Psalm 118. He completed his liberating work. And he'll do the same for you this morning in and through his son Jesus Christ. He will not merely start his work of liberating salvation in your life and then stop. No, he will set you free from your sin and he will then finish his liberating work of salvation in your life by preserving you all the way to heaven. So, 
Are you seemingly hemmed in this morning on all sides by your sin, your enemy? Call out to the Lord this morning in childlike faith. Call out to Him. Out of your distress, call on the Lord Jesus Christ in childlike faith. Psalm 118 has 29 verses. There's 29 verses here. Well, in the 29 verses, the psalmist mentions the Lord's name 28 times. What's he saying? Why did he mention in 29 verses, 28 different times the Lord's name? He's saying that the Lord is the solution to your sin problem. The Lord is the solution to the victory that you so long for over your sin. The Lord is the solution to helping you love your wife as Christ loved the church. The Lord is the solution to all of your shame and all of your guilt. The Lord is the solution this morning and forever to freeing you from all of your lust, your sexual sins, your pride, your arrogance, your self-centeredness, your anger, and all of your most grievous sins as well as all of your secret sins. Call on Him. Are you in distress this morning? Are you seemingly hemmed in on all sides by your sin, your shame, and your guilt? Are you in a narrow place hard-pressed, backed against a wall by your own sin with seemingly nowhere to go. Call on the Lord this morning in childlike faith. You have hope held out to you this morning in the gospel. You have hope held out to you in the person of Jesus Christ. You have hope held out to you this morning in and through your victorious Savior. Call out to Him this morning out of your childlike distress in all ways. The psalm keeps getting better, honestly. like it, It's really good at the beginning, but it just keeps getting better for the Alabama fans. Sorry, Auburn. But kind of like Derrick Henry, like keeps getting better through the game. Like You hand it off to him, and he's, he's pretty good early. But like over the game, they kind of get worn down, and he just gets better and better, almost like he's better in the fourth quarter. Uh, psalm 118, verse 5, just keeps getting better and better. And better because here's the good news not only do we see the psalmist cry out for help in his distress but we see that the Lord heard him and answered him it gets better and so the same is true for you this morning second point if you're taking notes call on the Lord in childlike faith and he will answer you call on the Lord in childlike faith and he will answer you this is the promise that we have to cling to if we are in distress this morning because of our sin Call on the Lord in childlike faith, and He will answer you. Again, verse 5 says, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. And then here's the promise. The Lord answered me and set me free. What a promise. When the king in our psalm, Psalm 118, had nowhere to escape, the Lord answered him. When he was facing a death sentence surrounded by all nations, he called out to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. I brought this little... Garmin GPS thing in here this morning. I don't know if some of you have something like this or know what this is, but we, we take this uh, when we go hiking in remote places. And basically, uh, it's not charged right now, but if you charge the thing up uh, and you take it with you, it's, it's supposed to allow you uh, to send uh, like SOS messages and to reach out to like search and rescue teams. Supposedly, it, it runs off of like satellite and stuff and you have to pay for a subscription. We take it with us kind of as a backup when we're out in remote places hiking or camping. And and it kind of makes you feel safe because you're like, well, if something goes wrong, I can just use, like, even when I don't have service, I can use my Garmin, uh, it's called an inReach. I can use my inReach uh, to reach out to rescue uh, teams, rescue personnel. So we, we sort of
sort of feel fairly safe as a result of that. But honestly, like even with this Garmin device that we have here, there's still a chance that the, that the device will fail. There's still a chance that we would not be able to get in touch with search and rescue teams. There's still a chance that we would be left alone in a dangerous situation and we will not be saved. Not so with the Lord. If you call out to the Lord in childlike faith, He will answer you. God's Word tells us so. Psalm 17, 6. I call upon you, for you will answer me. Not He might answer, but He will answer me. O God, incline your ear to me. Psalm 20, verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer Him from His holy heaven with the saving might of His right hand. Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm 66, 19. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Psalm 86, 7. In the day of my trouble... I will call upon you, for you answer me. Psalm 91.15 When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. John 14.13 in the New Testament If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I could keep going on and on. There's more scripture that I could share. But the bottom line is this. The Lord will answer you if you call out to Him in childlike faith. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have access to your Heavenly Father through prayer. He will hear your prayer through Christ because Christ purchased your prayerful access to His Heavenly Father. Will you call out to Him this morning? Will you call out to Him in childlike faith out of your distress? Because if you will, He will answer you. He will help you. And not only will He merely answer you, because that's really good news, but He will answer you by setting you free. This is the second and final glorious promise embedded in verse 5. Call on the Lord in childlike faith, and He will set you free. Call on the Lord in childlike faith, and He will set you free. Look at verse 5 again. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Again, remember how hemmed in our king was in this psalm. Remember how dire his situation was. Verse 10. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Again, four times in three verses, he says the same thing, surrounded. He repeated it again and again and again and again. I was surrounded. I was surrounded. I was surrounded. I was surrounded. A fourfold repetition in three verses. He was utterly trapped, cornered in on all sides by his enemies. But then he called out to the Lord and the Lord answered him and the Lord set him free. God heard Israel's groans too. Look at Exodus 2, beginning in verse 23. Exodus 2, beginning in verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. They've been in slavery for 400 years. They cry out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. 
And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. We have several like parallels between the Davidic king in Psalm 118 and the ultimate Davidic king in King Jesus. One is a type and the other is a substance. One is the foreshadow and the other is the figure. For example, the king was in distress in verse 5. Remember, he was in distress. He's backed up against a wall in a hard place. So he called out to the Lord. The Lord answered him and set him free. Set him in a wide open, broad place. King Jesus was in even greater distress in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat drops of blood mere moments before he'd be betrayed uh, and crucified. And then he was in even greater distress when he was crucified on the cross. He Two, called on the Lord and His heavenly Father delivered Him in the resurrection. The king in Psalm 118 was surrounded on all sides by all nations and he was surrounded by enemies who wanted to kill him. King Jesus was surrounded by enemies who didn't almost kill him, they did kill him. In Psalm 118, 18 we read, The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. So the king was disciplined for his sin, but he was not given over unto death. King Jesus, on the other hand, never sinned, but he was willingly disciplined in our stead as though he was the sinner. He took upon himself all of your sin, shame, and guilt, and he bore the eternal wrath of God's wrathful discipline. But King Jesus did not merely almost die, again, like the king did in Psalm 118, to be clear and even purposefully redundant, repeating myself, King Jesus did die, and he did die in your place. But King Jesus, we know, did not remain dead. He rose again three days after his death. The king in Psalm 118 was rejected by his enemies. It was like a cornerstone in that way. Well, King Jesus was rejected by all. But because King Jesus rose from the dead, He became the cornerstone of the world's salvation by grace and through faith. The King in Psalm 118 eventually led all of His people uh, in victory to the temple with the rest of His men in tow. And as he did, the people began to chant verses 25 and 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. King Jesus rode in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, and the people also chanted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. King Jesus offers all of us freedom today. He is the greater king that we read about in Psalm 118. And he is the reason that we have eternal hope this morning and can say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. He gives us hope that we do not have to remain trapped in our sin. You don't have to be an angry person. You say, well, that's just who I am. I'm just an angry guy. I'm just an angry person. No, you don't have to be and remain an angry person. You don't have to be and remain a lustful person. You don't have to be and remain a prideful person, a self-centered person, a vengeful person, a bitter person, a slanderous person, a person that loves to gossip, a boastful person, or a lying person. You can... Based upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you can live in freedom. Jesus purchased eternal freedom for you at the cross, and you can live in that freedom that He purchased for you in a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. So, will you call out to the Lord in childlike faith this morning? 
Will you call out to him in childlike faith, even in your distress this morning? Because if so, he will answer you and he will set you free. He will rescue you from your sinful state. So if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, repent from your sins this morning and believe the gospel and call out to the Lord in childlike faith this morning and know this, he will answer you and he will set you free. And if you're here this morning and you're a believer, repent too from your sins, even the very sins that you were set free from in your salvation, because perhaps you've gone back to the very bondage that Christ set you free from. Perhaps you are in distress this morning, hemmed in on all sides by your own sin, feeling as if there is no way to escape the sin and the sinful patterns in your life, and the desires even for those sins. But by the grace of God, that is just not true. You can be set free this morning from your sinful desires. You can be set free this morning from your sinful appetites. You can be set free this morning from the sins that are still holding you captive. Call out to the Lord this morning in childlike faith and He will set you free. And when He does, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. Say like the psalmist did in verses 1 and 29 because Psalm 118 is bookended by the same verse. And here's the verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And not only can you say that if you call out to Him and He will answer you and He will set you free, but then too you can also sing verse 14 just like the Israelites did in the song of Moses and just like the king did in our psalm. You can sing this. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In the late 1800s, uh, in the American South, unfortunately, uh, African-American slavery was still common. And before the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, when President Abraham Lincoln declared, quote, that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. And then, before... Uh, slavery was officially ended in December of 1865 at the end of the Civil War with the passing of the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution known as the Abolition of Slavery. A whole genre of music was developed with slavery as its backdrop. Sung by African American slaves, the songs that were written and sung were often referred to as slave songs, uh, jubilees, signal songs, and even sorrow songs. In the midst of slavery in the American South, the Underground Railroad was developed. The Underground Railroad, of course, was not an actual railroad, but it was a sophisticated system that helped to secretly transport slaves to safe sites. It was called Underground because of its secrecy and Railroad because of the way that large groups were transported from place to place on their way to eventual freedom. The individuals who helped transport the slaves from place to place on their way to eventual freedom were known as conductors. Conductors were the drivers, if you will, of the Underground Railroad when it came to setting these slaves free. One of the most famous conductors was Harriet Tubman from Auburn, New York. She was born into slavery in 1822, but eventually, by God's grace, she escaped from slavery and in so doing became perhaps the greatest and one of the most active American slave abolitionists. She was so successful and helping slaves escape that she ended up on an America's Most Wanted list. In fact, if you would have found and captured Harriet Tubman during her life when she was on that list, they would have given you a $40,000 reward. 
Traveling along this underground railroad was risky business. In fact, if caught in the South, conductors who were kind of leading this charge to set these slaves free were often killed. Travelers on the Underground Railroad typically traveled at night uh, under the cover of darkness, sometimes traveling as far as 10 to 20 miles. But according to one source, during the day, they would hide in places like mine shafts or secret tunnels, covered wagons with false bottoms and hidden compartments in floors, closets, and cupboards. An estimated 100,000 slaves uh, escaped and were set free via the Underground Railroad. During the era of the Underground Railroad, it was illegal for slaves to read and write, so they often sung. And one of these signal songs, I told you there was this genre of music that was sung by Harriet Tubman and others, was a song called The Gospel Trains A-Comin'. They'd sing this song when an escape was near. It was a signal as if to alert the other slaves, hey, our freedom is near. We are about to be set free. I want you to hear the lyrics this morning from the Gospel Trains A-Comin' from the 1800s. And I want you to consider how these lyrics were not only true for the slaves who were soon to be set free, but the lyrics that I'll read you now, the gospel trains are coming, are also true for us in Jesus Christ. He too will set you free. The gospel trains are coming. I heard it just at hand. I hear the car wheel rumbling and rolling through the land. Get on board, little children. Get on board, little children. Get on board, little children. There's room for many more. I hear the train a-coming. She's coming round the curve. She's loosened all her steam and brakes and straining every nerve. The fare is cheap and all can go. The rich and poor are there. No second class aboard this train. No difference in the fare. Will you call on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Will you call on Him alone this morning to set you free? Will you, to kind of go with the song here, will you board the, uh, the gospel train this morning that is bound for heaven because your fare has been paid for in full and all types of people can board the train? Board the train this morning by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and by calling out to Him in faith to set you free. And know this, he will answer you, and He will set you free. And when He does, let us do like the psalmist did in 118, verses 1 and 29. Let us give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. Remember, call upon the Lord in faith, and He will set you free. Give thanks to the Lord for in His steadfast love, He will set you free if you call out to Him in childlike faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the freedom that you have purchased for us. God, we couldn't rescue ourselves. We couldn't set ourselves free. God, we were hemmed in on all sides by our own sin and we needed to be rescued and you, the main actor in our salvation, did just that. We couldn't get to you because of our sin. We couldn't make ourselves righteous and make ourselves holy by trying to be better and trying to uh, do good works. And so God, in light of our unholiness and our rebellion and our sin, our unrighteousness, God, you sent Jesus to come to us because we couldn't get to you. And he bridged the gap, God. He lived a perfect sinless life in our place. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried and he rose again. And so now by grace and through faith, you give us his righteousness. You credit us with his obedience as if we are the ones who obeyed you. As if we are the ones who live sinless, righteous lives. And God, you took all of our sin and unrighteousness and you put it upon Jesus on the cross. He took responsibility for all of our sin. He bore our shame. He bore our guilt. And then when He resurrected from the dead, He defeated sin and death. And because of that, God, we can be set free this morning. So God, for the believers in the room, perhaps... 
They've already been set free because of their because of their faith in you, because of grace. You saved them, caused them to be born again. But God, sometimes we go back to the very sins that you set us free from. God, would you change our desires? Help us to hate sin and to love you. God, would you set free believers this morning who have gone back to old sins, old ways of living. God, help them to live in freedom, knowing there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, help them to have new desires, desires to love you and to obey you. And for unbelievers here this morning, would you open their eyes, perhaps for the first time, and God, help them to see their unrighteousness, help them to see that you made a way to save them and to make them righteous. And I pray right now they would call out in faith, just like Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray right now out of their distress, they would call upon the Lord, you would answer them, and you would set them free. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.